Well, good morning again, everybody. It's really great to see everybody this morning, and I'm excited about Easter 2019. This has been a wonderful series, Beauty uh, to, from, uh, from Ashes to Beauty. And this is the, the conclusion of our series, and uh, we're going to see how those ashes turn out uh, today. Uh, next week, however, I want to I wanna sort of set the tone for what we're going to be doing next at Life Church. We're beginning a brand new series called I Declare War. I Declare War. And uh, it's really about the war that we face uh, in our lives. Uh, we have, the, the, the scripture indicates that we have three enemies, uh, the devil, the world, and uh, sometimes how many know the worst one is ourself? <laughs> and uh, so this, uh, what we're going to be talking about next week is I Declare War. It's really going to be about the battle within, the battle that we have uh, with ourselves. And um, you're going to learn in this series uh, how to think like a wolf. And you're going to uh, learn how to, uh, my wife's going to come on Mother's Day and speak about acting like a wolf. You're going you're to learn all about uh, the behavior of one of the fiercest warriors that there is in the animal kingdom, the wolf. But we're going to use scripture to talk about four things. Think like a wolf. Speak like a wolf, act like a wolf, and finally, uh, to fight like a wolf. Hey, all over the world, in honor of the reading of the gospel, people are standing today, uh, and especially in light of the resurrection. Would you stand with me as I read from the gospel of Luke, and I'm going to be reading the first 12 verses, and it begins like this, but very early on Sunday morning. Could you say with me, very early? All right, the women went to the tomb, taking spices prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. These guys were decked out, dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then that they remembered that he... So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostle what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. It's what really captured me this year about the Easter story was the time of day that the whole thing took place. The Gospel of John says they came while it was still dark. Here it says early in the morning on Sunday morning they went. To really explain 
how I feel about how this passage begins, I have to tell you a story that happened when I was uh, a young person in northern Illinois. Uh, I grew up in, in northern Illinois, a town called Ottawa. Most of my relatives were from a little town called Princeton. And uh, my grandmother was the center of our family world. Back in the day, I would have been spending Easter afternoon at Grandma's house. We would have old school dyed the eggs. You know what I'm talking about. Actually dyed the eggs where you have that smell of vinegar all up in your kitchen. Yeah, we would have dyed the eggs after church, of course. My grandmother was a godly woman. She loved the Lord with all of her heart. She, um, uh, she was just sort of the ideal family gatherer. Everyone went to grandma's house on, on special occasions. It was 40 miles from our house to the next Princeton, and we always went to Princeton on, on holidays, and we went on Easter. Uh, and uh, I, I got to spend, I got, her, her last name, by the way, was Bird. Uh, I have a grandma Bird. My, my, my mother's maiden name was Bird. It's a true story that they used to ask the Bird family to get up and sing I'll Fly Away at church. <laughs> true story. But uh, so my grandmother Bird, she was, um, uh, she was, she was just a, a massive person in my life. And uh, I got to spend a six-week trip with her and grandfather uh, going uh, in a camper all across Canada and northern United States after my freshman year of high school. And we fished along the way, and uh, Grandma would read devotions. And My grandmother was the strongest woman that I know. She, she uh, chopped wood. She was, she, was not, uh, she was not Martha Stewart. She could cook like Martha Stewart, but she could chop wood like Paul Bunyan, you know what I'm saying? She was, she was a special kind of woman. And so we weren't prepared for the fact that when she was too young in her early 60s on a vacation in California, uh, she, just because of a family defect in, in, in heart, she had a massive heart attack. And it was the first close person to me that had uh, passed away uh, like that in my immediate family. And we were devastated. Our whole family was devastated. Christmas would never be the same. Holidays would never be the same. And she had like 30-some grandkids. And, but there were four of us that were exactly the same age, one month apart. Apparently, my family was very organized in the way that they had children so that we could have buddies at the family gatherings. Uh, my aunts, they had babies one month apart. One born in December, Bob, and Dan was born in January, and I was uh, born in February, and Karen was born in March. We're all 50 and none of your business years old. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so we, we went to the funeral, and those cousins of ours that are the same age sat together. Dev- I, I don't remember much about the funeral other than just being devastated. You just felt like vomiting because there was just there was just emptiness with grandma being gone and 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 you know that ride that you take at least in, I think they do it differently in Tennessee they 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 bury people the next day but in Illinois they do it right after the right after the funeral you you drive to the cemetery and so one of the family cars was us four cousins that were all the same age and we got in the car to ride to the cemetery together 
And my cousin turned the key onto the car, and true story, the song came on, Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. And we all just bawled. I think about these ladies who came to the tomb that morning. They came before daylight. John says it was still dark. How many knows it can be morning and still dark? The clock says it's morning, but someone hasn't told the sun yet. And so uh, it's interesting in the Greek, the word there that's translated early morning, and I love this, it's deep dawn. It was deep dawn. In other words, if there was anything happening, They didn't know about it. It was deep dawn. And they get up early in the morning to go to the tomb. Now, there's two reasons why people get up early in the morning, isn't there? At least voluntarily. If you have to go to work, that's why you get up. But if you get up voluntarily in the morning, there's two reasons. One reason is I'm excited, right? I'm going on vacation. Let's leave early. But there's another reason to voluntarily wake up early in the morning. And that's because you're saying, let's get this over with. I, I want to go as early as possible because, I, in fact, truth be told, they would have done it the day before if they could have done it the day before, but they couldn't do it the day before because it was the Sabbath. So on the first opportunity that these ladies had, they come to the tomb, let's get this over with is how they're feeling they had their hopes dashed. Now, there are some people when they work, they have a a second job and they call it moonlighting. They moonlight. And they call it that because often they'll have a night job. I I also have another job, but I call it sunlighting. Uh, Because my job, and Mary knows what I'm talking about, I teach Chinese kids before the sunrise. And during the sunrise. The reason is, is because China is 12 hours different from us. So they go into the school during the day and they're getting tutored at night by us. But 5 p.m. is 5 a.m. So I'm a, I'm a sunlighter. And, and, and frankly, my office where I teach these kids, my, my computer faces the window where the sun rises. So about four days a week, I see the sunrise. Unless it's a cloudy day, and man, I've seen all kinds of sunrises. How many know that no two sunrises are alike? I mean, I'm like a kid in wonder. I'm teaching my kids, but out of the corner of my eye, I see it go from dark, and I see uh, shapes begin to, to, to come into being, and then it gets lighter, and then finally, it's like it's like... Uh, exciting when the sun uh, breaks the horizon. And often, uh, I've got this camera on top of my desk. I'll turn that camera around. I'll say, look here, kids. Look here. Look here. Look what's happening. And they're fascinated because it's nighttime in China. But they're seeing over here, the sun's coming up. And how exciting that is. And, and you know, I've become kind of a sunrise geek because sun, the sun doesn't just go from dark to 
Now it's up. But there are stages of sunrise. And so part of my my preparation for this message is, I've been studying the sunrise. How does the the sun rise? I've got a chart up here on the screen to show you. But really, I, I found out way more than you ever wanted to know about sunrise. It's, we start out in dark, and then, and, then, and then when the sun is 18 degrees below the horizon, it's called astronomical dawn. And astronomical dawn is the first, sometimes it's called first light. It's the very first fragments of light that begin to change things, and, 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 the, and, the, and the darkest stars begin to disappear. You can still see the brightest stars. You can still see some of the planets. But the darkest stars begin to disappear. And then I learned in studying that when it's 12 degrees before horizon, it's nautical dawn. And nautical dawn is a sailor's term that when you're out on a ship, and it's the first moment that you can see the horizon. When a sailor can see the horizon, we call that nautical dawn. It's too dark to do outdoor activities, but for the first time at 12 degrees below the horizon, we can start to see our, uh, we can start to see the horizon. And then there's civil dawn, that's for us civilians. Civil dawn uh, uh, is is when um You can make out objects. Things suddenly start to take shape and you can see the trees. And and this is when the sun is six degrees below the surface. And then, of course, there is sunrise where the sun breaks the horizon and we enter into day. But that period of time between astronomical dawn and sunrise, and by the way, I didn't know this. How many thought that twilight was just at night? It's not. There's also a morning twilight. So twilight is that period between astronomical dawn and sunrise. It's called twilight. Uh, Photographers call it the golden hour because cameras love that hour right before sunrise. Some of the best pictures that you've ever seen, that's when they're taken during this golden hour. But the reason I'm being so geeky about sunrise is because when I read this story, I believe that in the sunrise, there is symbolism being given to us about how these earliest believers came to faith. And coming to faith is much like the sunrise. We can be in the dark. We experience first light. We move into twilight. Finally, the sun rises, and then we live during the day. And I want to go through these as, 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 as ways of looking at the way we come to believe the story that I just read, the greatest story ever told. At night, as you're taking notes this morning, at night, I'm hopeless. Metaphorically speaking, night represents the time when all of our hopes have been dashed. There ain't no sunshine. 
when he's gone. You've you got to understand who these ladies are. These are ladies who the scripture tells us earlier in Luke, they had been healed of evil spirits and many diseases. These are ladies who the scripture tells us they supported Jesus' ministry and the disciples. They were invested in his ministry. They were the ones that were sort of bankrolling the mission of Jesus and his disciples. Uh, these were these were some of them prominent women. This Joanna woman that we brought up, she was the wife of the business manager of Herod. These were some significant women that were there at the tomb. And they were bankrolling Jesus. They'd been healed. Their lives had been turned upside down by this great man. Their, their, their ashes had turned to beauty. And suddenly, and suddenly, just in case you don't know the story, Jesus, who's celebrating Passover, he's, trumped, uh, he is, he's arrested on trumped-up charges. He's betrayed by, by one of his own disciples. he's brought to a kangaroo court where a mockery, a miscarriage of justice is done. And, and, And Jesus, as you know the story, is crucified. And all of their hopes have been dashed. But I, I don't think I'm just being cute with this analogy of, of sunrise and faith because, because there's a word that we use, dawn, when something dawns on us. When something dawns on us, it's not just, we just don't go from immediate disbelief to suddenly we're, we're fully believers, but there's a, there's a dawning, isn't there, that takes place. There's a process and and so these women right now, right now in their process, they're just hopeless. And, and Proverbs says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And Proverbs 4.19 says, but the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea at what they're stumbling. Darkness isn't just wickedness, though. Darkness is also cluelessness. Scripture compares darkness to, and, and it's no wonder that the Scripture talks about being lost. Because that's when we're lost, isn't it? When we're in the dark. And so these women begin and they're in the dark. And their hopes have died. And, and Ecclesiastes said, anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. But there's something about death that just knocks the hope out of us. And at night... I'm hopeless. At night, there's the temptation to believe the prevailing worldview that's in existence today. That death does have the last word. That might does make right. That power is superior to compassion. That despair is stronger than hope. That it's a lie that God loves the world. That money is God. That the one who dies with the most toys wins. And that there is no more to the world than what you can see, hold, or buy. There's no mystery in everyday life. There's nothing sacred about ordinary things and ordinary people. It's darkness. The women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away. 
from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, the Bible says, they were puzzled. And I'm going to call this first light. Sun hasn't risen. But their darkness has been interrupted with a mystery. And and in first light, I ask questions. I begin to question the reality that's around me. First light, time of bewildering, bewilderment. Did someone take him? What are we going to do with these spices? There's, there's no closure. What, what are we going to do? We, we, we've come to, to prepare his body. And the importance, by the way, of a funeral is closure. That we have an opportunity to say goodbye. Not only is he gone, but we can't say goodbye. And there's questions that begin to form in your mind. Maybe you're here today and you haven't come to faith in Christ. But you're in a place where you're saying, science can't explain everything. First light is the introduction of mystery. There's some things that don't add up. How do I explain wonder in the world? I wonder what happened to Jesus. Hmm. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. I want to say this about faith. Faith isn't about our amazing investigative skills to come to Jesus. How many know that God initiates our salvation? God takes the first step. God dazzles us. And he sends two men in dazzling clothing. And I would say this is the beginning of twilight. And in twilight, I look, as you're taking notes this morning, I look for life. I begin looking for life. As they stood puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, bowed down their faces. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead? By the way, this is a profound question. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Someone needs to hear that question this morning. Why are you looking Why are you looking in dead places for someone who's alive? Why are you looking in a graveyard for Jesus is the inference. Why are you looking for life in dead religion? Religion 
can be like dead men's bones. Jesus called the most religious people of his day whited sepulchers, white tombstones. Why are you looking for life in dead religion, in the dead rituals which never can bring you life and never can bring you hope? And I would say we're living in a society who more and more is turning away from dead religion and they're saying, we can't find life here. Why are you looking for religion in dead ideologies? Oh, you know, if people just believed the way I believe, everything would be all right. If everyone agreed with me about the way I see the world, everything would be all right. If you subscribe to this, if you vote for this candidate, if you subscribe to these of particular ideals and principles. And I came to tell you that all of them are ultimately dead. Why would you look for life? The, 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 those two men in Dazzling asked a very profound question. Why are you looking for someone who is alive among the dead? Why are you looking for life in dead pursuits of happiness? People are looking for happiness in all kinds of places and even experiencing the pleasures of sin for a season. But those of us who who know who Jesus is have found that, that true joy is only found in His presence. There's fullness of joy. And at His right hand our pleasures forevermore. The dazzling men say, why would you look? Why would you look for life in dead places? And then they say, he is, isn't here. And and this, this little word struck me. He is risen from the... They didn't say he has risen from the dead. It's not past tense. It's, it's the present that means not only was it present then, but it's present for all time. That Jesus is now forever risen. Hallelujah. Amen. That he is risen. Christ is risen. In the ancient church, the leader would say, Christ is risen And the people would would shout back, Christ is risen indeed. Shall we do it? Christ is risen. risen Amen. Now let's say it like we mean it. Christ is risen. risen Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise this morning. Thank you, God. He's forever risen. And I believe the scripture says, then they remembered the words of Jesus. This is, I believe, when it dawned. I think it's kind of cool, ladies, that the first believers in Jesus were women. Amen? Amen. Come on now. Let's hear it from the ladies this morning. Amen? Yeah. Yeah, the first believers in Jesus were women. It dawns on them at sunrise. At sunrise. At sunrise, I believe. 
when the sun finally comes up and it dawns on us, these, you can hear the joy, and now they're running. These women who were dragging their feet to get there are now running from there. Hallelujah. It's sunrise. And how many know, and I said it earlier, that no two sunrises are alike. I would say that no two conversions are alike. Charles Finney, he's converted in in the woods. John Newton, who was a slave trader and wrote Amazing Grace, repented while lashed to a ship's wheel in a storm. Chuck Colson, who was one of those indicted in the Nixon uh, scandal, the founder of prison ministries, asked God into his life while crying in a car on a roadside. C.S. Lewis says that he was in the sidecar of his brother's motorcycle on the way to the zoo. He said, on the way to the zoo, I did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And when I got to the zoo, I believed that Jesus was the Son of God. There was a moment when the sun rose and it dawns on us. Romans 10.9 says, if we open, declare, openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. They run and tell the disciples, and you know how the story goes. They each have their own experience of sunrise. Peter, Peter runs and he sees the, first of all, it's, the, 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 it said that the words sounded like nonsense to the men. First light. They're convinced of his death, but now they've heard that questions have been introduced. Peter has enough questions that he runs to the tomb and he looks in and he sees that Jesus isn't there. Another gospel says when John looked in, he said, and he saw and believed. But I want to say that believing is not enough. We're living in a society of people that were so many people who say they've seen the sunrise. They've received Savior when I was 12 years old. I remember that day. I can tell you in a moment. But there is a time after sunrise. And the scripture says, For you are all children of the light and of the day. We do not belong to darkness and night. In daylight, I live my best life. In daylight, I live the life that God always planned for me. The life that God always intended for me. The life that God has for me. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. This morning I want to do it a little bit different. Normally I invite us to pray right now and we'll just ask if there's anybody here today. Maybe this this is your moment of sunrise and, and I hope for some of you it is. But on Easter I thought we would just take a confidential survey. In your, in your worship guides today there's a survey that just sort of asks where are you at with the story? And by the way there's not a wrong answer. It's just a real answer. You you might say this morning, 
Um, I came this morning because I was drugged. I was drugged to church. <laughs> I don't believe the story, and I don't intend to. That's okay. There's, a, there's. I don't. I think that's kind of where the women were at the beginning of the story. It was, it was a crazy claim. But maybe you're here this morning in its first light. I don't believe, but I've got questions. Or maybe you're here this morning and you say, I'm actively searching to find meaning in my life. By the way, there's no coincidence why we're called Life Church. The reason we're called Life Church is because what we're trying to be is a life-giving church. That when people come here, they're not just going to find a bunch of rituals and, and become a part of another religious group. But we want to see you come to have a lively and vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and begin experiencing your best life. Amen? Amen. Or maybe you're t- D. Today I believe in the resurrection and I'm beginning a new life. The scripture says in Romans 10, if we believe that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised Christ from the dead, we'll be saved. That's sunrise. And maybe you're here today and you say, I'm here because I'm just excited with God's believers all over the world. I believe in the resurrection and I'm living my best life as a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Whatever your response is this morning, it's okay. Um, But I want to lead us in prayer right now. And we're just going to ask God to, wherever you are today, to shine his light on you. Shall we bow in prayer? Heavenly Father, today, Lord, we read the scripture with fresh ears and fresh eyes today, and we see, Lord, that these ladies came early in the morning in the darkness, not just in the darkness of night, but in the darkness of their despair. Lord, I just pray for those that are in darkness this morning, God, that they don't see, Lord, what we're talking about in many ways it may seem like nonsense but I just ask Lord that there would be an experience of first light today I pray Lord God that they would understand that there's wonder in the world that you're at work I pray for those Lord that are at that moment Lord but I I pray that the Holy Spirit God that Maybe something today, Lord, that they had an encounter with you, Lord, that, 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 that dazzled them, that didn't make sense. And I pray, Lord God, that there would be a search for life. And then I pray, Lord, for those that are ready to make that, make that decision to follow you and say, I believe, Lord, I believe, Lord, that you rose from the dead. I believe that you're Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, would you raise your hand in this place if you want to say, today I believe that Jesus rose from the grave. Would you raise your hand in this place? Thank you. Amen. Amen. And then I just pray, Lord, for those, Lord, maybe they've just been staying at their sunrise place, but not living in the fullness of everything that you have for them. I just pray that the light would shine above that horizon. And Lord, that you would help them, all of us to experience our best life, that it's day in Jesus' name. And all God's people say amen. Amen, amen. Let's stand.
Let's, let's let this moment rest. We're going to sing a song today. If you want special prayer this morning, you're welcome to come down. We'll pray for you this morning. But let's, uh, let's just let this moment breathe because he's as close as the mention of his name. Let's sing it this morning.